This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangarang and Jebel people. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge their continuing calls for justice. We also acknowledge the calls for a truth-telling commission into what has actually happened following European arrival, followed by a treaty and a voice to Parliament. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 159 for Friday 3rd of February 2023. I'm Jeremy Siapirko and each week I'll be joined by different guest hosts to help me discuss what's just been happening in the country, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. And tonight's guest host is a returning guest host, Nick Carr. Welcome back, Nick. Hey, Jeremy. How you going, man? All good. Only two weeks this time since the last episode. So yeah. <laughs> Those gaps are getting smaller. We're getting close. <laughs> it's it's almost like the he- the heady days of a regular podcast where people could rely on it coming out at a consistent time each week. Yeah, almost, almost. I've got to admit, this week, knowing uh, you know, we discussed it earlier that I was going to be the guest, um, and then we had to we meant to record last weekend and push it back, and then being disappointed all week that I, there was not a new episode of Well May We Say. In the, in the feed, but knowing that was my own fault was very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, <laughs> if you enjoy listening to this podcast, the important thing is to never be a guest on it because then when it's delayed, it'd be, it'd be your own fault. Yeah, um, it was all me. I did it. Yeah, yeah I fucked yeah. up. Yeah, I, I got too hungover and uh, couldn't do a podcast and it was, yeah, no. Anyway, no, send, I send, myself. Your, send your complaints to uh, tonyabbott at hotmail.com. <laughs> How did you anyway. know my secret email account, Jeremy? Mm. Um, what's, what's it? Uh, well... You could send it to Greta. What is it? Get a life. Um, what's it? I have a time. What's the thing that she sent to that the Tate guy? Um, oh, uh, small dick energy or something. At gmail.com or something. Get a life. Yeah. Or get or something. And he's oh, like, yeah. But, but did you? And he's like, this is. I don't know why we're talking about this because it's very old news now. But 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 his response, like he recorded the video that he recorded that got him sent to jail. And I mean, the update is he's still in jail. Uh, a month later, he's <laughs> yeah. they re, they rejected his attempt to leave again. But the the video he that was in, he was literally like, I don't know why Greta sent me her real email address and put that up. It's like, yeah, I, I was what a weird latest. email address for her to have. Like, was that an attempt at a joke, or did he genuinely think that that was her actual email address and he'd got her? It's like, oh, shit what a man. stupid email yeah. address you've got. <laughs> it's so upsetting. I don't know. It really bums me. Like, I. I cannot believe, and I know this this isn't probably what we started off intending to talk about, but it's got I, nothing I feel to do needs, with the subject. Of this but podcast. it also needs to be said. I don't know. Like I cannot believe the amount of grown men that get so upset by Greta Greta Thunberg or whatever. Like it's it's insane the amount of people I just know in my daily life or whatever who like I was I was I've been talking to you, Jeremy. I mentioned that I'm trying to buy an electric car at the moment, and I was talking to some friends the other day, and they're all asking me questions about it. Everyone's really excited, and there's this one guy there going, you know. Oh, well, fuck, you know, like I'll never, you, you know, they're not that uh, environmentally friendly anyway. I'll never buy an electric car. Check, you know, check out my Dodge Ram, mate. I'll fucking run Greta Thunberg over in it. It's like, she doesn't own the cars. She's not pushing it. Like, I don't get why they're so determined to like make huge life decisions just because they think they're pissing off a child. Like, I don't know. What? She's still like a teenager, right? Like, why does everyone get so upset by it? It's absolutely insane. 
Well, I have a theory, and I, I've actually written out a little bit of a running sheet this week. You know, okay, so yeah. Last week, Tom Ballard was telling me that. Uh, sorry, two weeks ago, but anyway, he was he was pointing, <laughs> he was talking about how, how he'd done research for the latest episode of his podcast, and then I was like, "Well, I haven't done that so much here, but I have written out a running sheet." Anyway, one of the things that has I, I feel is a running thread that really explains a bunch of the things that we're going to talk about. In a minute. Yeah. Um, and, and to hell with that. I was going to raise this later in the podcast, but you know, the, the Greta Thunberg thing actually makes the point. I actually think that the my my, my thesis for today, and, and I, I have these takes regularly, and they're all mutually inconsistent. But anyway, let's pretend this. <laughs> I actually think that the deepest defining characteristic of conservative people uh, in engaged in politics, so not people who are conservative minded who opt out of politics. The fundamental premise is selfishness. It's yeah. I've got mine. If everybody else, I can and I and, and how dare you raise politics with me? I don't want to think about that stuff. I'm comfortable. Yeah, I, I feel can bad. be apolitical, yeah. and by apolitical, I mean um, comfortable and selfish, which means right wing. It's same yeah. person. Everybody who's like, I'm a sensible centrist, and you you know pull off the Scooby Doo mask, and it's oh look, an extreme right winger <laughs> every time. But in terms of people in politics, and and. I feel like this explains pretty much everything that, that uh, the conservatives do in parliament when they were elected to, because they really want to smash lefties. They really want to hurt lefties. Mm. And the visceral hatred, I think, is because lefties are their conscience. Yeah. Lefties are sound. Well, we're not their conscience. We sound like their conscience. The part of their brain that to be a conservative, you have to suppress. If you are going to be implementing policies that promote your self-interest and, and the people, the privileged people like you, your self-interest, at the expense of the people around you, you have to do a couple of things. One, you have to work really hard to ignore, not, not to dehumanize the people who are the victims of what you're doing mm. and to pretend they're not, and, and to try not to think about them as human beings and ignoring information that comes in that um, contradicts that. And, you also have to portray them as bad people who deserve it. And the effect of that is that anytime someone like Greta mm. or um, any filthy lefties in the Greens or us talking on the podcast, when we say stuff that is pricking that conscience that right-wingers work hard to suppress and becomes a habit to suppress, it's like, you're not my dad. You're not my... You're, you're, you're not the boss of me. I... How dare you make me feel bad? Like, you're making me feel bad. I hate you. I hate you yeah. so much. Greta, she represents young people who are incredibly angry about what's happening to the world that they're going to have to survive in for as long as possible, but it'll be shorter than it would have been if the previous generations weren't completely effing it for them. Yeah. Greta is a face on the anger of the people who are being harmed by the selfishness, in particular, in, in the case of Greta, on the climate issue. The people who are being selfish and don't want to do anything about it. She is the... She's a face of the people that they are harming. And what they're going to think, oh, hang on, I've got to feel bad about these people that I'm harming. Maybe I should do less of it. No, because they've already decided they want to be selfish about it. So what? So they jump to the next step of hating their guts. Mm. And that's why every time they open their mouth, but they've just got the, it just gets them. And they just, it's defense by offense. Like they, yeah. they attack first. These people are assholes. I, I must crush them so I don't even have to think about what they're doing. When the subject of the voice is coming up, what have, mm. what have the conservatives been doing about that? They've they've got suddenly discovered that that um, there are problems in Alice Springs. Now they are they're never going to propose anything that is actually um, that you know carrot and stick together. Yeah. they're never going to do a carrot. They are only ever going to do stick. Yeah, all they all they have is stick. And because... they have stick, and then the only option is let's stick harder. Like how do we yeah. fix this? We're going to stick harder. We're going to stick heaps. Just stick it more. Just heaps more stick. Just 
keep piling on the stick because that's the only possible answer. Yeah. We don't want to think about the conditions that Indigenous people in Alice Springs are in. We don't want to think about... What we want to do is blame them, betray them to other... We, we want to lean heavily on the racist trope of the, the main people assaulting Aboriginal people or other ab- Aboriginal people, so we should be cru- crueler to them. Mm. They're, they're their own worst enemies, so we can attack them and pretend we're doing it for Aboriginal women and children. Like, yeah. That is not genuine. It is a, a nasty trope, but the, the effect of it, the reason why they're suddenly bringing it up when we're talk, supposed to be talking about The Voice, is because when it comes to... The Voice is an, is, is an attempt at reconciliation and saying uh, a, one of the steps. It's not the whole step. And this right-wing trope of, well, is it going to solve the problem in Alice Springs? Well, it might help because you're actually supposedly be yeah. listening to Aboriginal people in relation to those issues, so it might actually help. But separately, it's it's not actually... You can't be like, oh, well, unless it solves all the problems, then we can't do anything. It's the same yeah. with the, the Australia Day, like change the date. They're like, well, is changing the date going to end any of the problems that are facing Indigenous people? Well, not particularly, but what it says is that Australia, that the, that the rest of the country has gone, oh, yeah, we should probably stop you know, deliberately pouring salt into the wound yeah. by saying, hey, we'll celebrate our we'll national celebrate day on the day it, yeah. of stealing the country from you. Like, it doesn't solve it per se, but it stops putting salt in the wound. Yeah, like, it helps. And, yeah. and the fact that we refuse to do that indicates that we still have contempt. But that's their, that's not a that's not a byproduct. It's how they deal with it. They don't want to. They don't want to do anything concrete. Yeah. So if they kick up a stink about the, the symbolic stuff, we never get even close to dealing with the concrete stuff. No, yeah. yeah. And and if they can encourage other people to remember to just hate Aboriginal people and to just be like, they're coming for our barbecues and they're coming for, they just want to make you feel bad. You've got, we as a country do have something to feel bad about because we mm. still haven't dealt with it. Yeah. And you, your, your response to that is how be angry at the people who make me feel bad and demonize them and try to get other people to be like, Oh yeah, we don't have to do anything to help to Mate, undo the damage yeah. we've done to them because fuck them. We hate them. That's right. That's yeah. what I'd forgotten. Alice Springs. Yeah, that's right. We hate those guys. Of course I won't vote for the voice. Like yeah. all it is about is anything that pricks their conscience and reminds them that, that there are injustices that they could do something about, but they don't want to. Mm. It might require some, even if it doesn't require great, any great personal sacrifice, they just, by this point, they just hate anything that sounds like their consciences. But I, I just yeah. think that the greater thing, taking it back, is fundamental. And we, we'll talk about some things that, that also match this during this podcast, but I really think mm. that, that, it, that the hatred comes from lefties sound like their consciences. And indeed, one other step, which we'll get, which we'll get to too, and I'll shut up in a second and, and, and hand over to you on RoboDebt, but <laughs> no, one of the other big things is I actually think that's the power we have as lefties. We don't have the media. We yeah. don't own any media. So we're not rich. We don't have power. We don't have influence. We don't have... Or, I mean, we have presence in the um, a- entertainment media. We have, like, because lefties tend to... Because right-wingers piss off to go and make money and doing other things. But So there's more lefties in yeah. the... In the um, in, in, I don't know, the, the entertainment media, I suppose. But again, it's still owned by right-wingers, so they still get to control what comes out. So what do we have? Where is our power as lefties? The power we have as lefties, I think right-wingers know what it is, and that is why they work so hard to squash it. And the power we have yeah. is to be the person in the room, the, to, speaking up for people's consciences. When, Like when somebody's talking about the story that yeah. you have. Like, maybe you should tell a story that, that you were telling about, about how right-wingers, they, they want to feel comfortable boasting about how clever they are screwing over other people. Yeah. And what they don't want is ordinary people in the room going, hang on, what you've just done is nasty and vicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, my example is, uh, uh, is that actually had the same, it was a very eventful baby shower I went to, <laughs> very eventful uh, baby shower, too, too much time for, to discuss things. Um, but yeah, so the story was uh, a friend of mine, um, well, he's a friend of a friend, but he's kind of become a friend of mine, um, you know, through the process. <laughs> but he was bragging about how he was on a job out in the country and as often happens, like I do come across it quite a bit, you know, there'll be some... There'll be, yeah, at the back paddock, there'll be a car with a tarp over it that hasn't seen sunlight in 15 years or something. And um, he, uh, talking to the lady while he was performing his job, said, uh, oh, what's, what sort of car is that? And she goes, oh, I don't even really know. Um, you know, um, I'll probably just sell it or whatever. And, and he said to this lady, um, an older lady, uh, he said, um, oh, well, me and my son are looking for a project to do it up. I'll buy it off you. I pull off the tarp. He gets a look at the car. Um, and offers her three hundred dollars, and uh, she goes, "Well, great, yep." Because to her, three hundred dollars is you know money she could use. Um, she doesn't know what the car is, so uh, then uh, she accepts the deal. And then he, the rest of the story that he was telling was a very funny retelling of him ringing everyone in town, running around trying to find someone with a car trailer so he could get this car as quickly as possible before she realised what she'd lost, which was. A collectible car that there's only one of in Australia that had been used by um, a major um, one of the major theme parks in like parades and stuff. It was like a one of a kind, and it had been modified or whatever, so it was in apparently surprisingly good condition. Still ran after not having been driven in 20 years, um, which at the moment with the the you know the used car market and you know the way that collector cars uh, have gone up in value, he claimed to be worth about 60 grand, which. I don't know. It's one of those things. He's one of those sort of blokes you always got to take it with a grain of salt. It's probably worth let's, thirty. Let's take but it, even take still, it as read. Let's, let's yeah. accept, accept the yeah. premise of the story as he's telling it, as if it's completely accurate. A hundred percent. Yeah. So then, but then, so he's just bragging about how clever he. Exactly what you were saying, Jeremy. He's just bragging about how clever he is that he's managed to get this big win. And I mean, it's what we all dream about because we're all so stressed, and and you know, there's you know, cost of living's going up. We're all waiting for that thing where we win lotto, or you know, you you open up your garage and there's a uh, an old collector sports car. So you just get this big win that comes out of nowhere. And he was bragging about it as if there was no victim to it. Yeah. Like he was the clever one. He's made this big win. Isn't this great for him? But at the same time, not acknowledging that. If he'd actually been a decent person, he could have just mentioned to this old lady this car was worth a lot more. Um, she could, you know, like I'm he tricked sure, her. Like he's actually got a business. He's doing really. Yeah, he tricked her. She's got a. He's got a business. He's doing quite well. I don't know who this old lady is, but I can guarantee you, anyone over the age of fifty could probably really use sixty grand. You know, like well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk, talk about yeah. housing later. So okay, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's not yeah. do the poor poor boomers okay, too much. Let's not get too carried yeah, away. But, yeah, but. Yeah, you know, it's still like it begs the point. It's like, yeah, the only way he, you know, he could get ahead was to rip someone off. And I just, I really feel like that lacks any sense of community or, or whatever. Like, it's basically, it's kind of theft in a way. It's like a scammer, you know. It's like yeah. a scammer ringing up some old person or whatever, ripping them out of you know thirty grand or whatever. Is it technically illegal or whatever if you just trick someone into giving you money for nothing? I don't no, know. He, no, but like, no, should it be? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, well, yeah. it isn't. She, hmm. like. The, the the deception the the, the the basis of whether it's honest or not is if he had told her what it was actually worth would she have sold it to him for three hundred dollars no he was only able to get that that win by deceiving her she had a thing that was worth sixty thousand he got it for three hundred dollars because he took advantage of the fact that he knew something that she didn't is that an ethic, ethical mm. thing to do no is it a legal thing to do well it's always going to be a legal thing to do but is it ethical no so but he's obviously in his head deep down. 
there's a bit of him that is like, I kind of, maybe maybe it's very suppressed. Maybe it's not even there. Mm. But, but or maybe it's been suppressed. There must be part of him that knows that that was evil and that was a bad, horrible mm. thing to do. Even if he's completely suppressed it and it's not conscious. The thing that he doesn't want, what he wants in a party situation, particularly if there is a part of his brain that's like, oh, oh maybe I just did the wrong thing there. Um, what he wants is people to be going, no, that was great. You were clever. No, bad luck on her. If, he wants he wants yeah. community buy-in to what he did. He wants to feel that yeah. the thing which he did, which was incredibly selfish and and mean, he wants people to think of it as clever and um, admirable. And, and yeah, turn the negative into a positive. Yeah, and pretty much, I, I don't. There are not many ways that people make wealth or get wealthy other than by being. Lucky and they're being, and there are victims of that luck. Like even people who just got wealthy mm. on housing, they're wealthy at the expense of all the people stuck paying well ahead of their more, much more than their mortgage to rent and have nothing. Yep. The next generation that's going to be retiring without homes, paying inflated rents on a shrinking pension. There, this every, every bit of money that every bit of money that these people make when you've got wealth, it's at the expense of other people. I like, like it can't mm. be it's not like everybody can have more money because the money's worthless. Like the only way that your money is worth something is if somebody's got less of it. So if you have yeah. more than the average, it's yeah. And most of the ways that people do that are ways that this like this guy. They were they you know they were they had people working under them and who were not being paid for the uh, real work that they were doing and they were profiting up the top or they are or they've bought things and like this guy and and at a, at a much less than it was worth because the person didn't know. They've taken advantage of somebody else's um, lack of knowledge about something. Mm. Just going out there and doing work for people doesn't really make you very much money. No, yeah. And I think that what the power, back to the thing I was making earlier, pointing out earlier, it's, I think that the biggest power that lefties probably have is actually being that conscious, standing up and saying, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. Because there'll be a lot of people in that room who'll be thinking, oh, that's pretty gross, without having the courage to stand up and say it because you don't want to be mm. shunned as the, as the, you know, the killjoy in the middle. And, and obviously. Yeah. And you don't want to ruin the, you know, like it's a baby shower. You don't want to make things tense. You know, like yeah. that, I think that's, that's another thing that, that they sort of trade off in those situations is that, um, you know, people aren't going to call stuff out because you don't want to start an argument at a, you know, like you don't want to start a tense situation at a, at a, what's meant to be just a fun little friendly gathering, you know, like I think that's often, it's, it's that, that, um, I reckon, kind of like an offensive use of politeness, well, you know, like manners. A, yeah, of manners. Right. Yeah, the yeah, the social it. mores are used to squash. Um, they're used by conservatives to squash objections. And uh, the conversation with mm. Tom last week was about how they're used to, you know, when when somebody like Jim Mullen dies, the man who's who's white phosphorus on freaking civilians and <laughs> yeah. horrific war crimes, but very right and George Pell, both very vicious right wing warriors. And we had Pell's funeral this week, and and all the powerful people there, like these are very political people, and then they use their the fact that they've died. You can only say nice things about these very right wing people who've done a lot of harm, but the other right wing people who are still alive are going to use that as t- to help get their right wing message across. And we're all supposed yeah, to shut up yeah. because their 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 person died. No, we're not. And yeah. when some and you're right at the baby show, you can't really do much about it. But there's a lot of social situations where a little bit more courage from lefties to stand up and be like, hang on, that's that's a dickish thing. I think we'd find that there are a lot more people around who agree with us and who agree and mm. are just feeling like they can't stand up and say it. And there'd be other people there 
who haven't really thought about it, who might be tempted to go along with the, the, the guy who's had the windfall and be like, oh, what a clever, oh, that's pretty cool. I wish I could do that. And they might need to have somebody point out and to hear, to prick their consciences in future. Oh, hang on, that's a dick thing to do. Wait a minute, what about that poor old yeah. lady? Like, she's just lost something. She's going to, if she ever finds out, she's going to be devastated that, that she was ripped off. Yeah. You know, if you're windfall, if the thing that you've, you've managed to, if your achievement was dependent on someone else not knowing something you know and you, you're making sure that you, they did not find that out, then it's not an honest win. You didn't deserve it. No. You only got there by tricking someone. Well, that's it. If it had happened in the stock market, it'd be insider trading and you'd be fucking in jail. You know, like, It's astonishing yeah. how... And so many people have this idea. Like, tradies boasting about how mm. they do everything, cashing... Like, I still think that one of the things that the ATO should do is have a, a Dobbin line. It's funny how we've just mm. defined Dobbing as a bad thing. Except for when it's... You know, we're more than happy for the police to have as much power as... as they ask for whenever they yeah. whenever they want more, yeah. you know, to go through our data or whatever. We're all like, oh, you know, sure, the cops could should be able to do that. But we won't. We what we don't want is we really hate the idea of dobbers being people calling out. For example, all the tax dodging through cash in hand, that'd be pretty mm. easy to squash. You have a dobbing line so yeah. that when the tra- when somebody comes yeah. to you and says, yeah, I'll do it for cheaper for cash. Obviously, what they're doing is mm. not paying the that in tax. Tax on it. Yeah, yeah. But if they were worried about doing that because there was a dob in line and the ATO would come and audit you, and if we were encouraging people, if you had an advertising campaign, encouraging people to say, look, you know, Australia feels that, Australians feel that you shouldn't dob on your, your fellow person, but these people are ripping you off. You're paying your taxes. You're going to work. You pay tax on the money you earn. Mm. You wouldn't feel bad about reporting someone stealing a car. You wouldn't feel bad about reporting someone stealing a handbag. You wouldn't feel bad about reporting someone stealing a television. You wouldn't feel bad about reporting someone stealing a car with a handbag and television inside. Cheaper for cash is ripping you off. Cash prices are for crime. There are honest tradies out there who are not doing the shonky thing, and they're being undercut by shonky people who are doing the wrong thing, and it ultimately comes out of schools, comes out of, ed- of health. Yeah. It's coming out of all these things. You should stand up for it. If somebody comes and offers you the thing, you don't have to say anything to them, but you ring the ATO Dobbin line, give them the details. And if we get a bunch for this person, we're going to go and, and audit them. Mm. And the, the chilling effects on that of people, because at the moment they're quite open about it. Business, you go somewhere to, to buy lunch or something, and it's oh, cash only. Yeah. <laughs> make them worry yeah. if those if that is a thing yeah, make them scared if that is Absolutely, a thing that prompts yeah. you to get an audit from the ATO you just need to give a bit of an incentive it's weird how conservatives are always about if you had social security at a livable level well what are the incentives for people to go out and work at a, for a wage that's under the poverty line there wouldn't be any that's a plus that's a that's <laughs> yeah. that's a, a, yeah. a feature not a bug but yeah. <laughs> they're always worried about incentives for, for poor people but they're never incentive they're never worried about the incentives to rein in you know shonky behavior by themselves. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I feel it, yeah. I feel like the reason why they're so angry about lefties is because they do not want us in a social situation embarrassing them and calling out yeah. their selfishness. And every time they're in a mm. room with lefties, there is that threat, there is that risk that the lefty might stand up and say, "Hang on, what you just said is a dick. I can't believe you did that. That mm. poor old woman. Didn't you feel bad?" They do not want that. Yeah. That is the last thing they want, and they don't want to yeah. have to, you know have their conscience come back and say, yeah, see, I told you, you were being a dick. Yeah, yeah. We tried to warn you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that's it. Yeah, they they just yeah. I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head there. It is that 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 is what they fear the most is having to to reassess what they've done and go that wasn't the right thing. I've actually it's like poor form. You can make a lot of money suppressing your conscience. You don't want anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it also takes effort. You have to suppress your humanity while you're suppressing your conscience a bit. And and you mm-hmm. what you don't want after you've pressed it down. You've suppressed it. You've you've squashed that thing. You've belted it into a hole. Yeah. Shut up, conscience. Shut up. I don't want to hear from you. I'm going to make a lot of money by by not listening to you ever. Yeah. yeah. You're you're getting in the way of me doing bad <laughs> shit that makes me money. Stop it. And get, um mm. and then for a lefty to come along and just like breathe life on that conscience. Mm. Fuck it. No wonder they hate our gutses. And shine light on it so everyone else sees it as well. Like, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's not just their, their little shame that they've got t- niggling in the back of their head. It's that everyone, everyone else knows. You know, and, it, and it's like one of those things. It's like, you know, when you, I don't know, you see someone on the street, like, um, that needs help. Like, someone's, you know, an old lady's fallen over or something like that. And everyone will stand back and watch until one person goes over to offer help. And then everyone comes in. So that's it. Like, I think you were saying the right thing. Like, as lefties, I think that is the power. That is something we should do is take those opportunities to shine a light on it so that then... Because that's it. Once you once you show people, once someone sees someone having empathy, then everyone will like the tide will turn and everyone yeah. will come in. Everyone will do the right thing, you know. But but until then, if everybody's standing back doing nothing, everyone's happy to just watch. You know, everyone's happy to just sit back. It's almost like there's a pact. I I won't call out your there's a shitty thing you're doing if you don't call out the shitty thing I'm doing. Let's all suppress our consciences together. Mm. But then somebody brings it back and you're like, oh yeah, hang on. It's nicer when we're decent to each other. Yeah, well, that's, well, man, like that's it. Honestly, at this at this baby share, I didn't really call out this this whole car thing because I've been in trouble for yelling at this guy for similar things before. For similar, <laughs> anytime we bring up politics or whatever, I get really worked up and yell. And and the thing that I think I think really upsets me the most is. The way this sort of tension breaks is he sort of laughs and he goes, oh, you know, I love... I, and this, this is something I've found with conservatives as well. Whenever a discussion gets heated, they always joke and go, oh, you know, oh, you know, I love talking about this. This is great. No, don't worry about offending me. I love this, this debate is, is really great. And it's like, no, it should offend you. It should make you mad. Like, because people are like... You know, like on the other end of this, there's people hurting. Like it yeah. should be. Did if you, miss- you don't feel passionate yeah. about it enough to get angry at me, like if you don't feel passionate about what you're saying enough to yell back at me, then, like if it's just a game to you, then get out of the game. Stop playing. Like, well, you know, like, it's also. Yeah. Did you not hear me properly? I'm talking about how you actually hurt somebody, uh, yeah. and you should feel bad about that. I don't understand how you're laughing. I'm telling you, you should feel bad. You, you're missing. You're missing. It's like the bit where you should feel bad hasn't sunk into your head yet. Like, yeah, where, where you should be leaving this is going. Oh yeah, I did the wrong thing. Maybe I should go and talk to her and see if I can make amends. Yeah. Maybe I should be a decent person. Yeah. Like nobody, they, they don't want to. They don't want to hear that. Have you noticed that, that most of the right wing insults that they have about lefties are what? what Do gooder was the classic one, but then you got virtue signaling oh, yeah. and woke. Like literally, what's woke? You're alert to other people's suffering. Yeah. So, like um, virtue signaling. They're like they literally can't process the concept yeah. that you could be trying to be a decent person. Mm. You must be just trying to signal it as a message to other people, to like social currency or something. They they just don't get. Yeah, they've managed to make it like a they've turned to turn actual like genuine virtue. Like even the word virtue now sound like is is corrupted. Like they've genuine, they've made they've, they've successfully turned virtue into like a, a detraction, like into something bad. It's crazy. Like even with Greta, it's like at the absolute even like the her only motivation. Is she's trying to make the world a better place? So even if you even if you disagree on how she wants to do that, 
how can you hate her? Because, like, the yeah, I think that's it. The only way you can hate her is exactly what you were saying before, is because she makes you feel bad about it. Because otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if someone's just trying to get find a better solution, how can you be upset if that's all they want? Like, how can you be mad at that if for any other reason? It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's getting it's getting progressively more difficult to go to anything social because there'll always be someone like even New Year's like bringing up the Andrew Tate thing. I was at a you know we were having a barbecue and it was mostly a really nice thing and someone brought up the um, Andrew Tate getting you know trafficked or whatever and someone goes oh mate don't bring that up don't bring that up when old mate gets here and you're like why oh old mate's really into him. And like, okay, well, if we're into this guy who's, if, if we're going to like be around a party and have a nice time around a guy who is on board with someone who like jokes about like raping and choking women and stuff like that, like, where's the line? Are we, so are we all saying that we're actually okay with raping and choking? Like, that's it by not doing anything about this one guy, by like letting him come to New Year's and hang out and we could all pretend that it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's counterproductive. It goes the other way. It's, it's consent to that sort of behavior. It's hard when you're entering into a room where the where they've got everybody on board and you've got to be the, the lone voice. But in that case, yeah. when the guy isn't even there yet, um, that's a perfect <laughs> opportunity for you and other people to be talking about what an absolute doofus, um, or more than a doofus, what an evil bastard Tate is and how absolutely pathetic his self-owning was. Yeah. You're going to be having that conversation. And the other guy who comes into that, he'll be feeling bad that he supports such a doofus. And he'll be the one who's being shamed into being like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say anything because everybody else is on board. Like, you're changing the entire time. That, that's a perfect opportunity to be like, let's, let's show up. Yeah. You, and that, in that situation, you can almost use the social contract of, oh, don't, don't make a scene to make, to make the other person feel better. To switch it around, yeah. But then it, it worked. It, it was counterproductive because he's um, the sort of guy, he's 35, he's never lived outside of his home, never had a girlfriend, you know, like all that sort of stuff to everyone. That, that there's a level of empathy for him in this situation and it's i feel like that like again it's like that's corrupted it like he everyone feels sorry for him so they let him get away with that like yeah that would have been the perfect opportunity for us to go hey mate this opinion you've got is pretty fucking cool like, well, don't, don't don't confront yeah. him with it. you don't even need to confront him with it until unless he opens his mouth but you can talk about what an idiot he is and how how Tate only seems to appeal to people who like he takes advantage of people who are in a shitty spot in their life to yeah. to give them a really dumb solution, and it's really bad that he sort of plays on suckers. You do stuff that like sort of makes him be like, "Oh, I really don't want to own up to liking Andrew Tate. Maybe I'll just pretend that I I'm, I've gone off of like." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but talking about people who need to be shamed. Oh, sorry. Now, um, you've been you've been following the robo debt thing because I I think we'll get a, why why is this important? It's all in the past. The 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 old government is gone. Yeah. And, and there it's just the public servants left, you know, holding the bag. Yeah, well, I, I feel there's an awful. It's really important that these public servants going forward, who've done the wrong thing, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll wait to say. But I think that there's a huge amount of public benefit to those people being really harmed by their participation in the scheme, so that future public servants are like, when they're being asked by the next corrupt government. The public servants are like, no, no, I'm covering my ass. Yeah, no, I'm giving you advice yeah. straight away. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking the fall for this shit. Yeah, well, look, honestly, I think I've only watched a little bits of it, but yeah, honestly, if anyone, if any public servant, I think had watched any of the, um, any of the hearings, I think that like that's probably all you need to make sure you never make that. It is brutal on some of these guys, like the the, the people doing the uh, holding the hearings or whatever. Um, 
like are just skewering these like I just watched just before we did this podcast I was watching for about 40 minutes and honestly I I joined in late so I didn't hear the start of it Um, I didn't hear um, exactly what they were talking about but like Catherine Holmes and um, who's the other guy Justin can't remember his name but there was this one poor uh, he was what's he worked with Prime Minister and Cabinet sitting there and it was like 40 minutes on whether whether the draft or the the report they were referring to was the final draft or not, <laughs> and they were just trying to get him to agree that like they pro- he probably should have thought about the, this final draft a bit more or something like that or you know I think they knew that they stopped working on the draft or something for a bit when he'd realised things were going wrong, but yeah any anyone watching that it was savage like over something so tedious and honestly at times really hard to follow exactly what they were speaking about, but him having to sit there and just get co- like cop these questions like I mean obviously yeah like there was times where it was obvious that he's knowingly just ignored information or not passed it on or or whatever but I think the latest news came coming out of it you know I think one of the things I read uh, recently was yeah Alan Tudge just denying any responsibility again for his department's failure like you know like again just being like oh no how was I you know he assumed that because um, it had gotten to a certain point and there were some lawyers involved that he didn't have to check if it was legal or not like he didn't have to ask that question as the minister he could just he was just like nah you know I I didn't know how would I know like I, I didn't ask anybody so you know how would it be an issue which yeah well did you see did you see there's the email um, that they pulled out from August 2018? It's an internal email in the department, but it's uh, this is what it reads. It says, Hi, Melanan. Attached is a draft of Clayton Utes's advice on the legality of income averaging. Kane and John Bird called me to discuss, as the advice is somewhat unhelpful if the mechanism is something the department wants to continue to rely on. <laughs> the advice somewhat is somewhat unhelpful. unhelpful if the mechanism is something the department wants to continue to rely on. Kane advised that they might be able to rework the advice subtly if this causes catastrophic issues for us, but there is not a lot of room for them to do so. <laughs> I.e., their lawyers have said to them, you can't rely on this. It's somewhat unhelpful. Um, and we can adv- we can slightly change the advice if that'll help you. So, like, you're relying on the lawyer's advice, but you want to be able to say that you can keep doing this. So we can slightly change it. But, you know, it's pretty fucking illegal and there's not too much we can do to change it. We'll try, we can make some subtle changes to it. Like, they knew. Yeah. They knew it was illegal. The other one that gets me was where they're asking Rachel Miller about what was happening. Uh, and they were deliberately releasing personal info about RoboDebt victims to the media to discredit them. Jesus. So they tried. So first of all, they talked about how they worked with their friendly media people in, in the Daily Telegraph in the Murdoch Press and how they could just, how, what a great job Simon Benson does writing this stuff up for them. And then when that didn't work and there were all these stories coming out, then they go, well, let's release personal info about the RoboDebt victims to discredit them. Um, but that media strategy uh, was quite comprehensive that I developed in January to shut down the story. And that involved, you know, placing stories with the, um, you know, the more friendly media, the right-wing media about how the coalition was actually catching people who were cheating the welfare system. And, and, and that media, including the likes of A Current Affair or um, others, has a lot more reach. Uh, the, the commercial television programs, uh, the you you know, 2GB, radio, that type of thing, has a lot more reach. So actually the message that was getting to people on the ground was that the coalition is cracking down on welfare cheats, whereas 
in the kind of, you know, left-wing Canberra circles, it appeared to be quite a crisis. Um, but we were getting feedback from the Prime Minister's office that actually this was playing quite well in, in you know, marginal seats, Western Sydney, that type of thing. Which was playing quite well? Well, the, the narrative of um, that robo-debt was actually playing quite well in terms of people actually supported it and were supportive of the notion of the government cracking down on anybody who was cheating the welfare system. Rochelle Miller was the advisor to former Human Services Minister Alan Tudge at the time. The minister requested the file of every single person who appeared in the media right. so that we could see the exact you know, transactions that they'd had with Centrelink and understand uh, what the details of their case was. In some instances, Ms Miller said, that involved releasing details of personal cases to journalists after taking legal advice. Did you notice any impact of the decision to release personal information in the, into the media um, upon the nature of media stories from that point? Yes. And what was the impact you observed? Well, there were less people speaking out in the media, which was the intention. Fucking hell. Like, that's how, like, that's about as low as it gets. Like, that's... Ah, oh, Jeremy. <laughs> that is... I had not read that, and that is very upsetting. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck, we're happy to just throw, throw victims on a funeral pile when we need to, aren't we? Fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll just... I'll send. I'll send. Let me let me send you by direct message the link to that one, just so you can you can enjoy. Oh it. my god! Here we go. Here we go on the phone. Reputable journalists will contact me for lines from the minister, even if they're going to write a story that's very negative. However, there were certain elements of the left wing media who weren't even doing that, and that's kind of unethical on their behalf. Use of the media, the usual relationships I have with journalists are not working, and that they that this particular group of journalists are being quite vindictive, being very uh, biased Fucking and hell. unbalanced. That, that is wild. Uh, they, had no, they had to do this because left-wing left -wing journos were unethical and vindictive. <laughs> yeah. So what they're objecting to there is that, that, that left-wing journos didn't talk to the minister enough, but uh, you know, they, they'd put, print these stories without talking to us first. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you were releasing stuff about people and they didn't want to give, give you an opportunity to bully the victims into, <laughs> before they published the story. It's like when you really, you know, it's like if you're investigating the mob, you don't tell the mob first. Yeah. And and also, like, if they're doing it because they oh, didn't my, talk my to the minister quick the minister, all the minister says is he doesn't know what the fuck he's on. He doesn't know what's happened and he's not responsible for anything. Fucking hell. Yeah, well, it's, it's weird how they've got very specific recollections about points that they want to do. Mm. They want to say that we're, we're, you know, they're, they're relying on, but then suddenly really obvious stuff that they should remember is, is gone. Yeah. It's wild. It is great. Where was the other? There was another quote uh, I read of Tudge's um, that was, and, and he was mad that the current affair, and you still in a robotet scheme, that quoted him saying, We'll find you, we'll track you down, and you will have to repay those debts, and you may end up in prison. And he's like, oh, it's completely taken out of context. I mean, he was talking about Robert. How is that out of context? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that literally was the context. Yeah, that's, that's the whole context. That's it. The most obvious thing about the whole commission and the whole inquiry has been that it's obvious that the government and the public service were just about whacking the poor like those the government did it for because it's a it's a vote win, or because they've just got sheer malevolence and they fundamentally they've gone into politics to make sure that as few of their tax dollars as possible go to help poor people <laughs> like that's like there, there's nothing that unites conservatives more than <laughs> fuck the poor um you know whether they're whether they're um religious conservatives or just economic conservatives they are all united 
in the sense that poor people should not have a decent amount of social security that enables them to live comfortably. And, you know, the the ALP this week was releasing a policy about the arts and how they needed to be supporting the Australian arts. Like, nothing... Like, all these ALP mm. politicians love the rock of Australia from the 1970s when people were able to do creative pursuits and survive on social yeah, security. Yeah. Like, so much so, so creative um, output from Australia is suppressed by shoving artists into having to go and do bloody mutual obligation bullshit. Yeah. Feral yeah. term, that yeah. is. Having to, having to spend their day applying for 20 jobs that they don't want, that they can't do, that they won't get. Yeah. Instead of doing their art. Actually yeah. being able to work on the yeah. creative output. Yeah. But there's nothing, and, and you know, a lot of, and the the world's worst employers want to make sure that they can, that nothing drags wages down more than a pool of unemployed people who are mm, starving. Yeah. So keep the poor starving. Like, if you have social security set at the poverty line, people will still work. The poverty line is not comfortable, mm. but they're not going to work for below poverty yeah. line, line yeah. wages. You're not going to be able to have somebody work for you full time and not even get the <laughs> poverty line. And, and, you get, I mean, the, the American disease is to pretend that, that there are jobs that, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, this is an entry-level job. You're not supposed to be able to survive on it. <laughs> no, you are. Fuck you. Are. you. Do you want the yeah, labour yeah, yeah, done yeah. or not? <laughs> if somebody's doing the labour, they should be able yeah. to survive on it. You don't get to say, nah, no, nah, I've decided that you're too low status to deserve to be able to live, <laughs> have sh- shelter and food. Yeah. No, no. You just have to climb up the ladder, stand on more people, and then you can have shelter and food. But Fuck off! Still, Everyone should That's what I love, too. Like, they still want people to be able to, uh, like, to be patrons of their businesses as well. It's like, I don't know, it's such a counterproductive thing because you're like, we want everyone to be poor and having a shit time mm-hmm. and not be able to afford to go out or do anything. But at the same time, our businesses require people to be living lives and going out and doing things. Like, you know, the amount of cafe owners that whinge that they can't yes. pay someone a living wage, but then need people with earning more than a living wage to come to the Cafe, buy fucking avocado and you know whatever or smash you know fucking avo and shit on toast. Like they need those people. So the more people with that money, the more customers they'll get. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, also, I mean, fundamentally, Centrelink. If it was said, uh, Social Security was at the poverty line. Where does that money go? Mm. It goes right back yeah. into the economy. Like if you want, if you want to stim- if you want stimulus that keeps the economy going. Give that money back to people who need it because they will spend it right away in the economy. They spend it straight away, yeah, rather than taking it out of the country, fucking spending it on giving it to Elon Musk or whatever to shoot up into space or something that just goes nowhere. Like, yeah, rather than taking the money out of the country, keep it here, keep it local, keep everyone's businesses going. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's just spite because fundamentally they... they all they're looking... It's very short... Yeah, right, right-wing thought is very short-term and it's like, I'm not going to look at how the people out there have mm. money, the people, my potential customers. All I'm looking at is my bottom line and I don't want to have to yeah. pay staff a living wage. And I don't care that... <laughs> it's right. It's, it's very short-sighted. And yeah, clearly, the, not only the government, but also the public service is more than happy to treat ordinary people with contempt. And there's no sense of a public service anymore where it's about providing mm. a service back to the community. All the people at the top are more are solely about... How do we keep our political masters happy? Look, I th- yeah, I, I think a lot of it is. I don't know. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm too um, 
I've got too much uh, compassion for the public service, but I do know a lot of people in there, and I think maybe uh, definitely at the top roles, yeah, the very top. I'm yeah, talking about the people top, at the top. Definitely, I'm talking about the top. Of, um, uh, hatred and, and spite towards um, you know towards the poor and the people they're doing, but like there's so mu- so many of the people in the middle that would have like yeah th- sent an email on or whatever, passed something on that are just doing the job that that it would have it absolutely would have upset them. They would have gone no, but there is this you know like and it's like any workplace any sort of corporate workplace or any of those environments where like you know stepping outside or you know like causing trouble or whatever is just seem like it it just turns everyone around you against you if you're the one making trouble like it's such a hard thing to take a stand on or or something and stand up and even when you do and everyone you you do take it to a higher level to the the guy right above you and he goes oh no man this isn't going to go anywhere so you know yeah Oh, yeah, no, it rots absolutely. from the head. Yeah. The, the fish rots from the head, as as, uh, as Doctor Horrible, one, you know, put it. Yeah, it's Catherine Hamble. That's Hamble's it, yeah. the, the one at the top, there. and she's she's now getting nine hundred thousand a year to work on the the oh, um, Orcus nuclear yeah. subs. Yeah, so nine hundred thousand a year. Like we've got that person making decisions about social security. For, no one is worth that. Like, the, no yeah. one is worth that much money. Like no one. No. I've met like I in my job. I'm a property valuer. I've met. Some high-ranking CEOs. I've met the CEOs of the major banks and shit like that. I've met. No one is that smart. No one is that good at their job. No. They're just fucking. Yeah. Oh, sorry. This is a real. It's this a, is a real sticky it's a point for me. It is absolutely a grift because no one is worth that much money. None of them are working that hard. They're like, oh yeah, they don't see their families. They're on planes all day, you know, skipping over the country. But that's because they don't want to see their families because they can't, you know. Well, maybe maybe their families are lefties who will point out that they're parasites and they're destroying the country. Yeah. Oh, the lefties <laughs> won't like them, you know. Sitting in a freaking you know a casino border and doing cocaine and hooking up with you know sex workers like that's yeah. that's what they do. Ever, well, I don't know that Catherine Campbell's doing cocaine and hooking up with sex workers. I, mean, I, I don't know her. I can't rule it They're out, done. Jeremy. I, I can't rule it in or out. I don't know yeah. her enough. Have you ever dealt with um, talking with one of the agencies like Centrelink? Oh, okay, so so take talking to Centrelink. If you need, if Centrelink wants to get in touch with you, they ring you. Um, they ring it from a private number. So if you're if you've got your phone so that it doesn't ring through on private numbers because of mm. spam. They'll just ring and leave a message, and then you have to spend an hour on the hold ringing the back. They don't tell you what the message is about. Their answering system tells you. So I, I have this because I got a, I got a call the other day from um, in relation to one of the one of the agencies. Mm. It might have been to do with, with childcare or something. Anyway, whatever it was. Anyway, th- they ring you and they expect you to ring them back because you can't email. Yeah. You, there are two ways of contacting them. One, you can ring their switchboard, which has an hour long wait on it. Yeah. Two, you can send them a fax. In <laughs> 2023, facts and a long switchboard. And they, they, when you ring through, they want you to constantly access their app. And you're like, I can't. You, you're, what they're actually ringing about is a letter that they hadn't, hadn't actually uploaded to the app yet. So I have to <laughs> ring them back to be told I should be looking them on the app, which isn't there because it's not on the app yet. And secondly, I don't actually know what they're ringing about because they don't leave a message telling you what the message is about. They're just getting you to ring back. And the switch system is constantly saying, so what is your call about any of these things? And you're just like, I'm returning a call. And even after you tell them that and the machine recognizes that, they're still asking what the call's about. And you're like, I don't know. You rang me. Now, you can talk to the person at the other end and say, this is ridiculous. Surely you need to have a way of efficiently being contacted, for example, by email. It's mm. ridiculous making... It's, it cannot possibly be cost-effective either. Having, the only way that it's cost-effective having everybody having to ring these switchboards is if you're relying on people giving up. Yeah. Like, no, you have right. to be relying yeah. on... That, that hour-long wait is not a... Not a not just, they, it's, it's, if you're wrong, our call times are longer than, longer than average. No, no, they're always longer than average. That's, that, that's the average. Yeah. Anyway, 
uh, you could get people to be able to send emails when you contacted them about their file. They should be able to email back. Any other area of the world deals with emails in 2023. Yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> not not the freaking not the freaking Centrelink or not Department of um, what is it? Is it DHS now? Whatever it is, department. Whatever the, they keep changing yeah. their names. I preferred them when they were Department of Social Security. I think because that, that was kind of more relevant to what they actually are. Because they're certainly not <laughs> interested in services. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the only point of contact that you have for the person on the phone? Yeah. And they will say, okay, well, you can, I don't know, write a letter to the minister or something. There is no avenue in any of these service departments for feedback to go through. They will treat people like dirt mm. and they do, not, they do not want to hear from the people that they are treating like dirt. No. They make very sure that the people they're treating like dirt cannot realistically offer any kind of feedback or make any change because they don't want to have a change because A... Listen, the, the the people at the bottom are not the people that, that the people running the system are caring about appealing to. They're caring to appealing about appealing to right-wing voters out there who mm. have nothing but resentment for them and all they care about is keeping costs down. But they will, they will spend more on costs. The, the core thing can't be cheap. Mm. They will spend more to whack people because a huge amount of the point is to bully people into giving up. Yeah, just to going away, just to yeah, letting go. So that's it. Every yeah. little, oh, these are all like, oh, what's what's that, that expression that the right wingers hate microaggressions? They're just constant. Every time you deal with them, it's constant little microaggressions. Yeah, that's all the way, all the way, all the way. It's it's all designed to just get you to just feel like there's no hope and give up. Because you know, like that was it. If you really cared, Jeremy, you'd abandon your job. You'd you'd spend the next few years. Uh, uh, Campaigning, so you could maybe you know, join one of the major parties and maybe get elected in a, you know, in an election somewhere, and then spend the next ten years backstabbing and making deals that you, you know, are going to be like held accountable for later, so that you can maybe one day in about twenty or thirty years get to a position where you could maybe do something about it. And but by then you'll have made too many deals and you'll be rich yourself and you'll forget about it and you'll uh, you'll give up. Yeah, it's all. Wait, are it's, you saying are you saying that the system is set up so that to prevent any change from ever happening? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Nothing will uh, ever change. Well, yeah. Any good change, any any bottom up change, top down oh, yeah. change. What's what's the interest of the people at the top? Because because they don't have to wait twenty years of working their way through the system. Yeah. They can. They've got the influence to get the ear of people straight away. Yeah, they made all the right friends at uni. So yeah, that's it. Ugh, yeah. So I think that it's very important that. Um, while we're catching these people at the top who were involved in this clearly shonky scheme that they knew was shonky and caused real harm, I think these people need to be run out of town on a rail mm. quite publicly. They need to be. They need that. That punishing them is not just a matter of of um, satisfying our our outrage, but mm. more importantly, it's a matter of putting <laughs> putting their metaphorical public career, public service careers, up on a on a spike so that everybody else in the public service can see that. You can't do this shit and just doing it for your current political masters won't protect you because they won't be there forever. Yeah, because they just abandon you. Like they just, yeah, Tudge just goes, yep, no, sorry, I don't remember anything. How can I be expected to look into that? Sorry, fuck you, you're on your own. Yeah. So I feel like like we really do need to be, I know the the, the media are currently Hmm. trying to pay as little attention to the Robodet Royal Commission as possible. Mm. Even, I mean, they've had to have some coverage this week because some of the revelations we're being pretty out, outraged. The, the bit about we deliberately release people's private Jesus, information yeah. to shut to shut them up. Like, I mean, that's that's Fucking pretty much hell. the mob stuff. That's outrageous. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> wait, wait, we, we need when we need do to they start? When do they start going into housing commission and just leaving, uh, you know, horses' heads in beds and stuff just to teach people a lesson? You know, <laughs> when do they start doing that? 
Well, talking talking about housing, uh, that's yeah. a this is a very clumsy segue, but let's let's go on to housing. Yes. So uh, there's probably more substantial things to talk about in relation to housing this week, and there are definitely sorry, there definitely are more substantial things to talk about in housing this week than than the thing that I had. You've got a much more substantial. Thing. I've got that irritating letter to the Sydney Morning Herald from those very rich eighty year olds who are like, "We have a million dollars in assets. Can we get the pension?" Like literally, this is a letter. So, yeah. That by the way, that million is plus the home. Yeah. My wife is eighty four, and I am eighty two. Our combined total assets of bank accounts and superannuation are 998500 I Just fucking write it up to a million. It's a million. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we do not receive any Centrelink benefits, but would obviously like to receive some aged pension. Obviously, Nick. Obviously, they would yeah. like to receive some aged pension. We own our own home. So none of that million is, is, their, is housing costs. They own their own home. Any suggestions? They ask Noel Whitaker, the money co- columnist. Now, Noel Whitaker, the money columnist of the Sydney Morning Herald, did not respond to that by saying, you fucking parasites. <laughs> fucking use your million dollars in assets. People are starving on half the poverty line. And you're like, oh, we're really rich, but could be richer. Could the taxpayer you know, punt us a bit more? Mm. Well, the system, it's still, the system and that stuff is so broken. It relies on inheritance. It relies on still the old English, you know, from way back in the day idea of the like how you actually you know, have social mobility is only through inheritance or whatever. Like, that's it. Like, the only way that you... Like, people have forgotten that the, the point of, like, saving up your time and, and, and accruing assets or whatever is so that you can then live a good life while you've retired. But what inevitably happens is because everything's so fucked for their kids and that, the kids are struggling and it's hard right now, it's hard to get in, get a property or whatever, they think then that their actual point of their retirement is to save up as much money as they can, live off the pension or whatever, and then leave as much as they can for their kids, which I understand, but they also wouldn't need to leave as much for their kids if things weren't so fucked down the bottom, like if things weren't so fucked for people now. So they could actually just use those assets to live their good life, spend that money as they go, and then leave the kids whatever's left. Sure, great, whatever. But like, rather than having us have to pay, you know, the taxpayer pay a pension to someone who absolutely doesn't... Sorry, anyway, sorry, Jeremy, you about to say something. I'm just ranting at this point. I'm so, I'm so mad about it. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm with, I don't think that you're right, though, that it's because they're worried about what they... About their children, the state of the world for their children because mm. if you've got a million dollars in assets uh you could be helping your children get a deposit for a house now yeah you don't have to wait until you die so why wait until you die why are you sitting on all this money now oh is it because by having an inheritance to dangle over their heads you can force some compliance they yeah. can't just you, you, <laughs> yeah. you don't you have to earn, point. <laughs> if you didn't have that inheritance hanging over their heads maybe you'd have to earn your relationship with them rather than being able to like you know they know what they have to do yeah, <laughs> they know they're going to keep you on the right side. Yeah, no, um, I, I feel yeah. like the boomers are leaving, leaning quite heavily on the power. They really like the power that the inheritance carrot has mm. over their 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 you know miserable family members. Like I, I tell you what, boomers, here's a deal. Here, here's the, all, all you rich bastards who also get the pension. I, by the way, they also get like. As soon as you retire, like plenty of rich people have got a lot of money. They own their own home. They've got all these investments that they're living off without having to pay. Yeah. They're just living on the freaking dividends. And they're still getting like, do they have to pay when they go to the doctor? No. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. They, get, they, they, have, a, they have concessions on everything. Yeah. You and I are working, paying rents probably to them. <laughs> and they're getting, we're also subsidizing their cheap health, their cheap everything. Anyway, here's a deal. As a package, and you can choose to support this, boomers who have a million dollars in assets, everyone can get the age pension 
everyone, you can get it too. We're not even going to have an asset test. You can all have the age pension. Social security is raised to the poverty line. We abolish the so-called mutual obligations Mm -hmm. and we tax inheritances. Mm -hmm. So we fund it. We don't, we don't have to worry about doing assets, tests and shit. You can, you can all have the pension and the pension, the pension and social security are all set at the poverty Mm. line. Yep. There you go. Everybody can have it. it. Tax inheritance and fossil fuel companies because fuck don't we love in this country giving money to people who don't need it. Like, it's so oh, we get rid of the stage three tax cuts to fund this. Mm, yeah, we'll raise yeah. raise social security again like we did under the uh, during the pandemic. We'll raise it back to the poverty line before we harmed mm-hmm. it when we when we actually solve poverty briefly and and we're able to do that. And then for some reason we immediately voted to undo that. I, it's, uh, yeah. it's it's funny funny how both big parties voted to to halve social security to half the poverty line after yeah. it was set at the poverty line. Yeah, sorry, this was outrageous. And I think you had a you had another. There was another change that was coming in the housing market. There's change. Well, I mean, I suppose it's been happening for a while. It's I suppose it's only just um, I, I in throughout my day job as a value or whatever, I just um, uh, encountered uh, like a a scary like real life situation of it. Like the NRAS scheme, the National Rental Affordability Scheme, um, is winding up. It started like you know because it was started over ten years ago, and it, the the leases run for ten years and. Um, I think they're, they're starting to wind up now and like I think the last one will be done by 2026. Um, Queensland in particular is being hit bad by it because uh, like 30% I think of the whole scheme happened in Queensland and they've got an alarming amount coming off the scheme this year. Where basically, so the, uh, for those who don't know, the rental, National Rental Affordability Scheme was the government subsidising investors, um, giving them money so that they could uh, you know uh, rent these places to, to uh, for low, if they like kept rents low, yeah. If they yeah, kept rents low, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then, yeah, they weren't allowed to increase them by uh, you know like uh, bigger percentages or whatever. Um, and the idea was that yeah, it was meant to just provide more affordable housing for people. And in some cases, it did. But it also, I think, the main beneficiaries from the scheme, like it's a bit of a double-edged sword because the main beneficiaries from the scheme were definitely the developers and that who made an extra billion out of building all these shonky houses and and like some of the properties. A lot. Actually, I'll say most of the NRAS properties I've been to personally to look at were hastily erected by you know developers who know that the the purchasers, the owners, or the investors themselves aren't actually ever going to see them yeah. and don't care about the condition. So they yeah. start like they're, they're built quickly, they crack, they deteriorate. You know, there's all sorts of issues with it. Um, but the uh, the particular situation I encountered the other day was there's an entire street in one of these towns that I service. Um, basically, the whole row is all duplex units um, that are all under NRAS schemes. And so they're all pensioners and they're all paying like quite reasonable rents for tiny two and three bedroom units um, that aren't in like, you know, like they're, they're all very... Um, they're not very spacious, which, you know, but I mean, they're elderly people, it's a unit, whatever. But they're also built like poor design where like the bathrooms and the toilets are on the inside with no natural light or windows to them. So they've all got exhaust fans and poor lighting and stuff, which, you know, c- can lead to a lot of health issues and, and uh, faster deterioration of the dwelling themselves. Um, but so they're all renting these things and they've all been there for a number of years. And basically, I think most of the street from uh, discussions with the, the agent who manages them, because it's not one of the normal local agents, it's someone who specialises in managing these sort of properties. Um, she was there, uh, she met me at the properties to, to um, show there was a gr- 10, I think, couples of elderly people looking to move into one of these places. But this whole street is all going to be up 
uh, the, the NRAS scheme runs out in October. So there's an entire street of people and there's going to be more and more streets like this everywhere. Um, this is just one little micro instance of it. Um, but this entire street of people who are paying affordable rents, who their rent is like this scheme ends in October and then they're going to be faced with a 200% rent increase. <laughs> their rent is going to double from some of them are paying like 240 bucks a week and they're going to be paying 480 because that's where the market is right now. And they are not going to be able to afford that level of rent on the pension. So there's going to be an entire street of people just in one small town, just as one example, who just can't afford to live where they're living anymore. And we don't have, like, you know, the, it was the Albanese government said they're doing, was it 30,000 new homes a year over the next few years or something, but we've got a 500,000 dwelling shortfall in Australia. And, you know, like there's no real, it's like they're acknowledging that the scheme's ending and they're like, oh, yeah, but we're doing something about it in a few years' time. But no one's yeah. got any plan for how to deal with it now. And also, they've increased the immigration cap up to 195,000. So it's only going to, you know, like, which, you know, I don't have a problem with the immigration itself, but, you know, it's only going to make the issue worse when we've got a 500,000 dwelling shortfall in houses. Like, it's not a solution. There's no one's got any solution. It's just going to make things a lot worse for a lot more people. So, so they need to be doing both. Um, Obviously, you need to not just suddenly wind something like that back instantaneously because it's mm. obviously devastating. And that half-assed—it's like they don't give. You need you need something like a you need something like what the Greens want, which is being the the, the um, rent cap. So they can't mm. you just can't increase rents by that much. Now, obviously, the problem with a scheme like that is then people wouldn't do that scheme because they'd be like, "Oh, if you end the scheme, I'm not going to be able to raise my rents back up." Um, yeah. So, but you need but then you need to run the schemes properly so that they don't yeah. just suddenly end if you're going to do that. Well, yeah, this is this was the other sort of. Uh, sorry, I, I was too busy ranting and forgot to mention this. But this was the other part of it. Like I was talking uh, talking with the agent about it, and um, when she said, "Oh, the rent's going to go up uh, in October from two forty to at least four eighty or something," and I said to her, "Oh fuck, it's a bad time to be a tenant." Uh, and she's like, "Oh well, you know, it can't be easy for the owners. Like, you know, what what they, are they meant to lose? Are they meant to lose that extra money?" And I'm like, "Well, they're not losing that extra money." They could, they could, you know, like just put the rent to whatever their mortgage payments are, which on a unit like that is not four hundred and eighty bucks a week. <laughs> I know that, um, you know, like they they could just rent lower. They could just not make as much. They, they could still make money, or you know, still break even. But they could just not make as much money on someone else's back, you know, or sell it to them if they can't afford it. I feel that every time they do that, it says that we lefties have failed. That mm. person has been walking around in the community. Not enough people have said to them. Uh, hang on, people's need for housing trumps the need for landlords to make money out of it. Mm. Nobody, Not enough people have said that. They, they've been able to surround themselves by people who are like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, they, they, what, what Australia's all about is grinding poor people into the dirt for, for profit until you kick them. And if they, don't, if they can't pay it, then they can just be homeless and live under a bridge. Not enough people have been pointing out to that person that that's a fucking disgusting attitude to have. Yeah. And, and she's like, it's cartoonishly evil. Again, every one of these things, it's just another example where you know, more more lefties needed to be shaming these people at parties. Yeah, and it's. I really think it all comes down to a like a significant misunderstanding of what investment is. Like, I think we've really in Australia got this broken view of what an investment should be. Like, investment profit from investment, in like inherently tied to the idea, the concept of profit is the idea of risk. Yeah, but. At a certain point, once someone gets to the point where they can make an investment in Australia, 
we've all just sort of consented to this idea that then there should never be any risk of them losing that money ever. Yeah. Like there's some sort of that, that having an investment makes you more virtuous than someone just trying to get their first house so that like your investment has to be protected. You can't ever suffer losing money. But that's the whole idea of investment is you try and make money off something at the risk of losing it. You know, like you might profit because there's a risk. One of the big things yeah. that, that waits the, um, that's effed up the housing market from people, home buyers to investors is that home buyers still have the risk. Mm. If a house, if you buy a house and then and you're at the maximum what you can buy and then the prices go down, then you have a real problem. You owe more money than you. Mm. If you're an investor and you've done that, you can write it out because any losses you incur, you, gear, yeah. you negatively gear. Yep. So we, the public, insure the the profits of the investors because they can't lose. Yeah. We subsidise anything they lose, but it, we don't. That's it. It's That's only exactly investors. It. It's an advantage they have over everyone else. Yeah. There's plenty of things we can do. Just get rid of negative gearing for housing. Yeah. Encourage those people to take that money and put it into I don't know shares. Put it into businesses, yeah. build jobs, put that money in something where yeah. it's actually constructive rather than something that is just, you know, putting people under bridges. And housing, yeah. like, you can tell when they're like, oh, no, we're, we're doing this community service. How can you be doing a community service when your entire business model depends on making sure that human beings who live in homes do not have rights over those homes? Anytime that the parliaments talk about giving renters some actual rights, you investors kick up a stink about how that's going to muck up your investment if human beings living in those homes have the sort of rights that you would enjoy or even a fraction of the <laughs> rights you enjoy. If your investment depends on a human being not having the rights that you have in their own home, that, the, that you have in your home, in their home, then you're not an adding anything. You're not a community service. You're a parasite working on exploiting people mm -hmm. for your own profit. Yep. And if that were not the case, if you're not a parasite exploiting people for your own profit then you shouldn't need laws that enable you to exploit people. No, yep. Mate. And even when there are laws, they'll, they're still happily, happy to skirt them, Jeremy. I, I, met a, I met a guy um, about a year or two ago who bragged to me at one point about owning 20 different unit blocks. Like, not even just units. There is a man who has been insufficiently shamed in oh, social circles. Mate, yeah. Shame. He should be shamed everywhere he goes. Shame. 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 Everywhere he goes. People should be pointing at him and going, that's the parasitical but scum But I guarantee ward. you, people pat him on the back instead because, you know, he's clever. But yeah, so I'm talking about 20 unit blocks, not 20 units, 20 blocks of units. So multiple units at a time. Wow. This guy, and he owns a building company, which he mostly just runs to build things cheaply himself uh, for, for his own benefit. Like he, he bought these two blocks, moved the original old cottages forward, and then he's building the units at the back um, in a small town. Like, um, but... He hasn't then, like the, his target market, he intentionally targets, and, and I see this all the way across regional Queensland, they intentionally target backpackers and, and, and people traveling from Asia. I think these, the particular, the, the Korean backpackers living in these units, and they rent them way above what a normal market rent would be because they rent them the rooms individually rather than singularly. And then they, this, this guy also bragged then about not, worrying about any other because he doesn't it's not managed through a, a, a real estate agency or whatever he just manages himself 
he skirts look like he doesn't give them um he, he doesn't give them notice before he he um does inspections and all that because he rents the room out individually it doesn't have to you know like he's kind of skirting the law so he can just run it however he wants and he bragged me about just showing up whenever he wanted and they just have to deal with it so they've these tenants even though they're paying above what a like a, a, a normal local tenant would pay get none of the rights like they aren't treated well um and then he also did an incredibly racist um uh impression of them to me in front of them it was outrageous and so insane and he was like bragging to me in english which they clearly also spoke because they were giving me the look like what the fuck is this guy saying he's bragging openly about how he's skirting the law and treating them like shit and yeah i don't know like it's just like this this guy is someone who yeah by any means you'd be like oh he's a bloody go-getter he's he's built himself up he's you know picked himself up by his booze scraps no he's stood on the backs of other people to get himself ahead yeah that's right He's picked marks. He's picked yeah. people who are vulnerable who have to cop the shit. That's why conservatives want social security to be half the property line so that they've got a vulnerable class of people to exploit. Yeah. That's why they want shitty visa rules for migrants so that there's a class of people they can exploit. Mm-hmm. And also they can play off exploited migrants against uh, underpaid labor so they can have workers fighting against immigrants and just keep that little fight going so nobody looks yeah. at the people who are exploiting both of them. Yeah. <laughs> and like that, that is. The right-wing mindset. Like, it's, it's so much... If you can find someone to exploit and take advantage of and make money off, then you're a clever person. Mm. But but I don't think they really think it's all that clever. It's basically... and That's why it's an opportunity that they can seize and they just don't care who they're standing on to doing it, which is why they really don't want lefties signalling how they lack virtue. Yeah. So it's not, it's not so much that we're virtue signalling, it's more that we are bad behaviour highlighting. Mm. You know what? That's what it is. Flip it. Yeah. Virtue signaling means you are calling me out as an asshole. You are yeah. you are asshole shaming. Yep. I don't want you to be asshole shaming me. You virtue signaler. Stop asshole shaming me for being an asshole. Because mm. they still they still love virtue signaling. Like they like 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 it's got you know like people who who rail against virtue signaling are still the first people to be like, oh, I'm a good man with family values. What is that other than a vir- like? You're saying you have a virtue, and you're telling everybody that you have this virtue. Like ah, it, like they're they're all just as guilty. Yeah, like they love virtue signaling. It's their favorite fucking thing to do. Family is a really deliberate one for right wingers as to why mm. why they talk about how they like family. Because do you know what you can do? You can do the most evil selfish, harmful shit in the world. But if you're doing it for your your kids, ah, mm. uh, see, you're not being selfish now. You're being a good provider. Yeah. So you can sort of step one small step away from yourself. It's still your family and it's still fucking everybody else's families. Yeah. But because it's technically not you, it's your kids, even though it's you, it might still actually only be you, but you can say you're doing it for your kids so you can provide for them better. Like, yeah. Family is a handy way of just dodging the asshole shaming by just ducking yeah. to the side. Like, you, you, you're like, oh no, the community is noticing that I'm being a horrible, malevolent, evil asshole. Yeah. Let me just, let me just, uh, oh my god, there's an asshole shaming coming right my way. Hold on, I'll just deflect it by, I'm doing it for my kids and family. And look, like Matrix style, I've sort of ducked out of the way of the asshole shaming. Yeah. <laughs> missed me completely. That's it. I, yeah. I just deflected it by putting my family between me and the asshole shaming. That's it. Because you just say something benign that people can't disagree. Like, you know, no one's going to disagree that you should look after, love and look after your family. No one's going to... Who's going to argue that? Who's going to be like, no, nah, fuck your family, fuck them all. But Kill it's not them, a reason them, that you, you can know? go and do whatever the F you like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's it's it happens... So often, where yeah, you just pick a pick a benign thing to start. That, that's something conservatives do very well. Pick housing, a housing thing investors, to take, yeah, landlords. 
oh, we're just mum and dad investors. They're mainly <laughs> mum and dad investors. Yeah. What's that even mean? All it means is it's a way of making it sound A, like ordinary, and B, like it's for their family. So why are you picking it the Because way everyone loves their mum and dad. Yeah, like, yeah how, could you, how could you not love your mum and dad? Yeah. It's, Some of the world's most evil people are mums and dads. It's like, yeah. fucking <laughs> Most of them are. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's wild. With the housing, like, there's plenty of stuff we could do. We could rain negative gearing. Every, every time that... Oh, this is the thing I was wanted to say about that we've insufficiently shaming these people and these people. So you still... The bit that... You know, the, you always hear this thing from landlords. Like it, it's, you don't have to scratch a landlord very hard before they'll be like, well, without us, you know, there's a shortage of rental supply. And if we leave, there's going to be less rental supply. There won't be enough rentals for all the people who need rentals. We're providing a public service. You don't have to scratch very far before they do the we're providing houses and we'll go away and there won't be as many houses and rents will have to go up. Now, that is an idiotic argument. Look, you're nodding at me like, that's insane. Why would anybody say that? It's so obviously stupid because who are they selling to? Either another landlord, in which case the supply stays the same, or a home buyer, in which case supply down by one, demand down by one. Like the person doesn't have to rent anymore. Like they cancel out. Like it doesn't change. That is such an obvious thing, and yet they're still running it. So it still must be successful. There still must be people out in the community who are like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to have less rentals available where it gets worse. I don't want the problem to get worse. Mm. Because culturally we've set it up so that if, if you've got investments and, and you've made smart decisions, then you obviously deserve that, and you deserve all the breaks, and that's why we can give you negative gearing and franking credit subsidies and all that. But if you haven't got there yet, it's it's still that old noble like land ownership view of the world like from... You you know, like, you know, the, the English empire or whatever. It's this idea that if you own land and you've done these investments and you've already done it, then you're a good person and you've earned your spot. But if, if you don't have any of those things and you don't deserve it, you're a bad person and you belong on the bottom of the pile. Like, Also, we'll make sure that you can't ever leave it. Like, we'll do, put everything in place, all the barriers in place to make sure that the non-landowners don't ever become landowners. Yeah. Like, we must we must squash them as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't actually want them escaping that. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah you, can't, you can't get a way up and, and you know, any house that you buy is just, a, a, you know, the third or fourth house that I can't yeah but yeah I don't know it's like there's all these things like you know you've already we've already named a bunch of them like negative gearing franking credits um, Airbnb we need to ban Airbnb, Airbanb. Yeah. Ban, Airbnb. regulate the shit out of Airbnb every Airbnb should be treated like a hotel and be taxed like a hotel immediately yeah. like and the hotel industry instead of fighting to like exploit the poor by emptying their pockets with those carefully designed pocket emptying machines in the in the clubs the pokies yeah instead of the hotels association arguing for that the hotels association should be running a campaign against Airbnb these parasites who are coming in, destroying housing stock and undercutting actual hotels and ruining hotels who have to... Hotels are regulated. Hotels have to... And and the Airbnb is this shonky way around trying to get around that. That should be regulated the shit out of existence. That's just... That's a real... Landlords selling up doesn't harm housing stock because it's cancelled out by home buyers coming in. Investors turning their homes into Airbnbs, that's taking housing stock and turning it into short-term hotels. That does destroy housing stock. That is a real parasite. And there's... I haven't heard any politicians arguing that that should be reined in and how they're going to do that. Airbnb's just sitting there destroying housing willfully. Mm. And, and and you get landlords who are like, if you regulate me, if you make me treat my tenants with respect, if you if you rein in any if you give tenants any basic rights, then I'll just put my turn my house into an Airbnb. Like they're literally they're like, we're doing this as a community service. We're we're kind, community minded people. But if you fucking harm our way to make money out of these poor yeah. people, 
then we will, we will, I will, so help me, I will take that house and I will turn it into a hotel and nobody will have housing. It, it is, it's so obvious, it's very transparently because all of the, all of the politicians, all of the ruling class, all own a bunch of property, like, they all do, they all own heaps of it, like, they're all landlords and, I don't know, oh, I really, I really way, think that if you're going to be in parliament, you shouldn't be able to own anything, <laughs> like, nothing, you shouldn't be able to own anything, you, you should live in a commune with all the rest of them, there's, you, know, you just eat bowls of gruel every day, I don't know, like, I feel like it has to be, because I feel like that would then get out, like, it, it would only be the people who really want to make life better for everybody. Well, you, know? you might get you might get fanatics who are owned by the rich, though. Don't worry, you can sell all your stuff and we'll, we'll hold it for you and give it back when you do, if you do our bidding while you're in parliament. Yeah. Like if no people don't have if the people in parliament don't have anything, then they're really easily to be. Easy no, but corrupted. you can never own anything. Like, that's it. Once you're in, you got to sell everything. That's it. You just do that. You're unique. Well, what do you do for the rest of your life when you're yeah, out of parliament? I don't know. Nothing. You just die. Yeah, that, that's it. When you you, you you finish when you're dead. Like that's it's it. Logan's run. Yeah. Once once you get you get you get a you get a five year term in parliament and then you go into a machine where they where where you just get evaporated. Yeah. It's very, very dark. Yeah. It's uh, it's almost like the the um the the, the Apple version of um, Foundation. Did you see that? Mm. Where the, the the eternal what are they called the, the dynasty that goes the Cleons? Did you not watch no. not sci-fi? Sorry, no. no. <laughs> so when they did the TV version of Foundation, yeah. they this is not in the book. They 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 have the the empire is run by a dynasty. It's a genetic dynasty. That's what I call it. So there is the young version and the middle-aged version and the old version. Yep. And once they reach the old version. They get knocked out and replaced, and then a young version comes in. So there's always three yeah. of them, and they're always the same person. Well, they're not. It turns out that, that there's been a anyway. But hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. they're the so it's always the same person who's always in charge. It's brother day, brother noon, and brother night, or whatever. And they're the so it's this eternal emperor that, as it ages, gets replaced by another one that's yeah. the same. Anyway, I can't remember what the point I was going to make about that. I can remember the point I was going to make about your landlord who was not following the rules. <laughs> and isn't that one of those that the the fundamental right that tenants do not have that they should have is that it's too that they don't have stability it's too easy to evict them in most states you can evict for no mm-hmm. reason including in states like victoria where they say they got rid of no reason evictions but there's just a workaround so yeah. you can't you can um, what you do is you can give the tenant I, i'm assuming there are no evil landlords listening to this podcast if you're an evil landlord look there's a puppy over there go and kick it that's what you. That's what landlords do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, don't kick puppies. Actually, no. Wait. Oh, don't worry. The puppy's actually protected from the landlord, but the landlord doesn't know it. They'll run over there to go and kick the puppy. They won't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not actually letting a landlord kick a puppy. But anyway, so and it, you know, landlords listening to this podcast, you should feel bad. You're contributing to a problem. Yeah. And you might be doing it for 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 your family or whatever. You may be doing it just because you're in a shitty situation and you're playing. You're doing what you can within the world that you're in. But you know, you should feel some guilt because that privilege that you've grabbed for yourself is at the expense of other people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, feel bad about it. You should. You should feel some guilt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, damn right. It's a bad thing. Like you, you know, maybe maybe the the pros to your family are worth a bit of guilt, but you know that guilt should be there. Mm. Of all the things that should cost you, guilt is like the least of them. You know, like yeah. it should be the baseline. Yeah. Okay. So in Victoria, all you do is you give the tenant a one year lease, and then at the end of that one year lease, you can kick them out with no no reason, mm. no reason. You just give them notice ninety days before the end of the lease, and you can kick them out at the end of the lease. And then you just do that. You kick them out and then you can jack up the rent by putting a new person. Yeah. And you can do it easily because the rents keep going up and so you can make up the shortfall that you have there. And, for yeah, and there's 30 people living in tents down at the park that are desperate to get somewhere. So they'll pay, you know, they'll gladly pay the higher rate if they can. Yeah. And so because you have that power, they, they, they remove no reason evictions once you pass that year. So if you survive that first lease <laughs> period without getting that notice, then you're okay. And they can't under the new rules, you can't be evicted for no reason. Yeah. But 
there are other easy ways to do it. But yeah, within that first year, they can just evict you for no reason still. That shouldn't be allowed. Like it's, that's be, And what, what does it mean? If you can, what that means is the worst landlords, the ones like your mate, will put people in for one-year leases so they can kick them out when they feel like it. And every tenant yeah. knows that if they try to exercise any of their actual rights, like if he wasn't just picking vulnerable overseas people, uh, student service, whatever, who didn't necessarily know what their rights were. Yeah. Say that he, got, he had a tenant who did know their rights. If you exercise any of those rights, fine, you might win in the tribunal. You might get that. You might get that. And I'll kick you out. Mm. And you'll have to find the money for a new yeah, bond, yeah, that's which, it, I, which you'll have to find before I release your existing mm. bond. You'll have to find thousands of dollars for moving costs. Mm. So effectively what that means is that yep. no tenants can actually exercise any rights because if you do, you can be punished with homelessness. <laughs> so landlords have a vulnerable... And question. then once you're homeless, that's it. Like that, That's the thing that like... It's like once you've been to that point, the coming back from that is so much harder. Like once you don't have a, you can't yeah. get a job if you don't have an address. You can't get another, you can't apply for loans or anything like that. If you don't have an address, you're fucked. Like any opportunity you have to get back on the rung is taken out, for, is taken from under you by the stigma or, you know, uh, and the bureaucracy weighted against you by saying, I have no address yeah. at the moment. I don't have an address. It's yeah. wild. And, and it's so broken. Yeah. So fundamentally, one of the first things that needs to change, and you know what, if any anybody is opposed to this, anybody who is opposed to this, are the same people who should be being shamed at, par- at parties. So fundamentally, mm. if a landlord wants to kick a tenant out for anything other than serious damage or you know really not paying the rent, mm. and those do happen. Like they generally, I I've come across several situations where people have rented you know houses or whatever, and it's been a fucking train wreck. But that is the vast minority. In yeah, those that, limited that, situations, sure, that you, often. Give, yeah. you should be able to give somebody notice to get out. Um, but anything other than those, mm. anything else, including the landlord wanting to move back into the house, whatever, or the landlord wanting to sell the house, whatever, the landlord should have to give mm. like you know fucking four to six months notice to, to for you to like people live in houses. Like the fact that you don't have any notice when you get told to get out means you can't plant a garden, you can't do anything. Like that's really onerous. Six months, you should give six months notice. Yeah. You should have to remo- release the bond yep. as soon as you give that notice. Because the person has to find it for the new house, and yep. you should have to pay their reasonable moving costs. And the landlord lobby would be like, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. I can't get people out of my own house. I own that home. Well, don't kick them out if they're paying yep. their rent. Leave them in there. Yep. Like, don't kick. And if you want to kick them out for your own profit, if to do other things, why should they have to find the money for a bond and the um and the and the and the mm. moving costs? Somebody's going to pay those costs. Those costs are going to get incurred. Why should you be able to f- put it on the people who are just trying to live in a home? If if they leave, yeah, then you don't have to pay leave, them. Yeah. If they choose to move out of their own, they have to find their own bond. They have to find their own moving costs. Yeah. So you know, if they end it, they find them. But if you're kicking them out, you should have to find them. Yeah. It is outrageous that people are the people who are most vulnerable in their community are being bounced each year. They're being given notice to find another house. They have to find a couple more thousands of dollars for the bond, more thousands of dollars because it'll have gone up again mm-hmm. too, and the more thousands of dollars to move. And they do that every year. Like it's just. You know, keeping the people who can least afford it mm. ground into the bug for what? So that so that people can make more profit on their property on real estate. Yeah, like get stuff. That is not a good reason. Yep. So someone could make yeah make more and pay less tax on an investment than these uh, these people would uh, that you know the people seeking a home would pay on their yeah. actual and, labor. And they want to be able like- to sit around at parties and talk about how well they've done with their property investments and how clever they were and have nobody say mm-hmm. how many poor people did you kick out and make had to find thousands of dollars to get to their next house in order to do that. Yeah. They don't want to, yeah. they don't want to people 
you know what? There are a lot more lefties being screwed at. It is true that right-wingers can just make sure that they're surrounded by a nice little enclave of other right-wingers who'll, who'll champ, pat them on the back about it. Sure, fine, we can't do anything about that. They can have their little enclaves. But when they come out into the wider community, they should be really worried about being shamed. Every time they boast about this evil shit, mm. they should feel that there's a comeback coming, that people are going to look at them with disgust in the same way they said that, hey, look, I've discovered that I uh, I can actually make my day more efficient if I just don't ever clean my underwear. And I just sort of, you can, could you, wear, you can wear your underpants, as John Saffron argued, mm. uh, four times without washing. Forwards, backwards, inside, inside out, out forwards, forwards, inside out backwards. Inside out backwards. <laughs> Like, I, I want I want people who talk about how they've made money and how they mm. to be treated. They want it, they should feel that they're going into a situation that they're like stat. They should be getting the kind of looks of disgust that they would if they were telling everybody in the in the room that they don't ever wash their underpants. Mm. The, the, the level of disgust the community had. Look, hey, I I've been making money uh, out of drowning puppies. Yeah, you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there needs to be a cost. And I feel like we need to boost that, build that up. We need as lefties to be building that up amongst each other yep. so that we all have the, we feel that we've got the community out there. The right wing has been really good at making us feel like we should just shut up and play the game. Mm-hmm. There should be more of us around there being happy to be like, call that person out for a dickhead. Let's make it a sport again. Let's get the joy back of shaming rich people for yeah. being assholes. Look, I, I, I agree, uh, Jeremy. And, and I think if I'm uh, reading a little bit between the lines of what you're saying, and, and I think I know exactly what you're really getting at, is that from now on, if I go to like a family barbecue or a, a baby shower or whatever, I should build and take along some sort of mobile transportable guillotine... <laughs> And anytime I hear one of these things, just like, I think we re- I really do. I think I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, maybe we do just have to, you know, chop off heads. Like at this point, like maybe that's the only way. Like that's the only way things really going to change is if we start cutting off heads. Like I don't know. Otherwise, just nothing's going to happen. I might be going crazy. Is that a crime that I just said that? I don't know. But I just think that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've got no faith in anything for anything to change anymore. Uh, well, Nick, hang on. If you can just hold on for a commercial break, because uh, incidentally, th- this is synergy because it actually leads into our advertisers' um, product. This episode of Well May We Say brought to you by Guillotines.com, the finest quality guillotines with the sturdiest materials, the sharpest blades, delivered straight to your door. You can buy packs of five or ten guillotines so that you can have them set up and installed at various convenient locations for all of your revolutionary needs. Go to Guillotines.com. Into the promo code Well May We Say, and we look forward to supporting your rising up against the oppressive forces. Anyway, that's probably where we should leave it. I don't know why we leave the advertising to the very end. We should probably pop that in earlier. But anyway, mm. Nick, thank you for coming back. No, thanks for having me, Jeremy. Nick, where can people find you? What do you? Uh, I've got heaps actually to plug at the moment, Jeremy. So this is this is timed well. Probably the best place to find me is at Nick Carr Official on Instagram. N I C K C A R R visual um, and then if you click the link in the bio I've got two shows coming up which I'd really love people um, to get along to on March 5th in Brisbane I'm doing a trial show uh, of my new show called The Invisible Hand and it covers a lot of what we've talked about today it's you know it's about you know how everything's fucked and how the market's screwing us and capitalism's ruining everything and we've got no hope uh, so come along it'll be a fun time uh, yeah, so ticket links to buy for that. March 5th at Big Fork Theatre at 6pm in Brisbane. And Adelaide Fringe Festival, I'm doing from the 7th to the 12th of March. Um, the same show. Uh, so come on, please. I'd, I'd really love to get as many people in there. It's only a small room, um, but it's going to be a really a really fun show. I'm going to yell a lot. There's going to be a lot of um, ranting. Um, yeah, I'm going to kick something probably. Who knows? It'll be a good time. Um, and like probably the most important thing is at the moment is... In my house that I live in, uh, that I own at the moment, I am currently trying to rent out a spare bedroom. So oh I'm my god, this became a landlord podcast. <laughs> 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 
That's all. Look, uh, you know, like uh, there'll be no inspections. Uh, you don't need to pay a bond or whatever. Just if you need somewhere to live in Toowoomba, hit me up. Uh, let me know uh, because I would really, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, part of it, look, I do need money, but also part of it is I do think that I'm a single guy living in a three-bedroom house. Like, with all these people living in tents and shit, like, if you've got space, I kind of feel like at the moment it's like a a good thing to do is, is like, share it. Like, you know, like, there's no need. Like, I've got three bedrooms that I'm absolutely not using. It is offensive that I live in a three-bedroom house without... You know, like at least having one, per- giving one person somewhere to live at a reasonable rate. Um, so just hit me up. And if you've got some lefty, lefty uh, classified advertising you'd like to have read out on at Wellmays, uh, Wellmays uh, the podcast, uh, apparently at <laughs> Wellmay we say on Twitter. And we'll <laughs> maybe looking for a, a, a cat. You've got uh, or maybe maybe your cat's had a litter and you need to. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a GoFundMe going to buy a yacht. Actually, <laughs> thank you to everybody who has who continues to support this podcast by subscribing. You may have noticed that even though we were reasonably infrequent with our episodes last year, and we've been so slightly more frequent this year, and we hopefully get even more frequent. Once once uh, once March kicks around, I think both of my um, daughters will be at school on Wednesday as well, so it might actually be plausible to have a regular a weekly podcast at that point. But in any case, you may have noticed that, you know, where other podcasts have a gap and then they die, this podcast is bizarrely keeping on going. Back to So it. please continue to support us because we very much appreciate it. Yeah. No, we're not going anywhere. Where would we go? Yeah. It's cold out there. It's hanging anyway, in. Anyway, <laughs> at Well May We Say on Twitter seems to still be the way, best way to communicate with us. So uh, any any feedback, um, unless it's bad, in which case, Tony Abbott at Hotmail.com. <laughs> That's it, yeah. God, it might be tony.abbott.mp at aph.gov.au <laughs> again soon because he's isn't he going to get back J- Jim Mullen's seat or something horrific? Anyway, who knows? Oof, that's a, he's trying to... Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway, they, they'll leave you on that happy thought. Thank you, Alex Lum, for the artwork, Robin Gray for the music, and we'll see you all, if not next week, the week after. Very soon. Very soon. We'll be back. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>